We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans. Welcome to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Megan Gower, back with another week of Unplugged content. We are underway of the second week of the NCAA season, which tipped off last week. And for those of you that might be new to the podcast for the NCAA season, this is the Unplugged version, so the lo-fi counterpart to our Monday podcast with John Little. He has a great interview with Tara Vandeveer, the Stanford head coach, this week. So if you haven't checked that one out yet, definitely go give that a listen. Definitely worth your time. And thanks for joining us for Unplugged Podcast this week. We'll be talking about kind of some of the USA exhibition games that went on in the first week, as well as some of the other big games that we got to get start getting a taste of some of the biggest NCAA teams this season in the opening weeks of this season. So without further ado, I'm here today with Ben Dole from our Hoops S team. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good. Good. So we're into the thick of the NCAA season onto week two at our first big Monday game yesterday, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I think one of the most exciting things about kind of this opening week or so, or two weeks if you count, the start of exhibition games has been the Team USA exhibition games that we've got to see with um, Stanford, Oregon State, Texas A&M, and Oregon. Oregon, of course, I can't forget to mention that they beat Team USA, but we can talk more about that afterwards. But you were actually at the Stanford game. Do you want to talk about what it was like to be in the building, kind of what the environment was like, and watching the best players in the world take on Stanford in their opening game of the season? Yeah, and anyone who's anyone who's read me or listened to me talk at all like about the season, like I'm, you know, I've been really high on Stanford. I've been really excited to see them figured out. So just seeing that specific team against pros was so interesting. 
and for just like to set the table, like to talk about all four, like the way I, I mean, the thing at the front of my mind the entire time was just all these players coming off an of injury or just where, you know, where you weren't sure how they were going to look just one, like we made it out of this thing, like with everyone healthy. And I hate to be like, you know, the guy like throwing a wet blanket. Cause like, obviously you never want players to get hurt, but Tarasi with the back stuff that turned into a hamstring injury, Sue Bird getting her knee cleaned up, Skylar Diggins-Smith coming off maternity leave, Laser Clarendon with the ankle injury, those things, and Simone Augustus, who was kind of limited this year with her knees, like for them to be carrying, <laughs> for them to be carrying those players. And it was just, there were so many questions in the air and just, you know, really, I mean, more than anything, like seeing Bird and Tarasi just out there running up and down was just a big relief for one with all of us obviously hoping that they'll be able to have, you know, one kind of one last run, go at it in these upcoming Olympics. Yeah, definitely. Especially as a UConn person myself, it's always so much fun to see the two of them on the court together, first of all, and then also just healthy after not really seeing either of them in this WNBA season, which was definitely a bummer. Um, so yeah, definitely great to see them. Yeah, Tarasi, Tarasi hit a, yeah, she hit a shot at one point in that Stanford game, I think it was in the second half, and I just kind of stopped and I was like, I can't remember the last time, another time this year where like Tarasi had like a shot going clean, yep. you know, because she had that stretch where the ball just wasn't going in the basket. So, I mean, even just something as small as that was just like, it was just so exciting to see in that setting, given, given the circumstance. Definitely. Yeah. And Stanford gave them a really good fight too, a good preview of kind of what's to come from Stanford this year. Like you said, you're high on them. I'm also high on them. I think they've got a real good shot in the Pac-12, even with, you know, Oregon being the definite favorite there. Um, They will be a really strong team this year. Any like big takeaways from what you saw from them playing against USA? I think for Stanford, Haley Jones being one of the splashier freshmen and just seeing her seeing her kind of do a little bit off the dribble just against in that setting against some bigger bodies. I think it was just really interesting. And I think you can already kind of start to see the outlines of how, how effective she'll be facing people up, you know, the threat of her to shoot it and then just to drive in on people and make plays for them. I think that's going to be, you know, a big, really a key element for their team. And, and Kiana Williams just get, I mean, gave them, absolute fits and this will be a theme as we talk about all four of these games was just the dynamic guard play that USA had to go against paired with their aging aging backcourt that was very leaky to put it lightly I mean Kiana's ability to shoot off the dribble they just they had nothing they could do with her yeah definitely agreed kind of a common theme through all the all four games I mean one that comes to mind the most that maybe didn't get as much attention because Oregon beat Team USA so fast afterwards but kennedy carter for texas a&m put up like 34 points on them which is extremely impressive i mean impressive in any game but then to put it up against like the best players in the world is just insane yeah and and so and so in this this idea of you know their perimeter defense coming up i guess what do you this kind of touches on all the games but what do you what do you just kind of make of that idea like is that how real is that if you're thinking about like the Olympics, you know, is it, is it something, nothing, something in between? I mean, I think you have to consider the fact that like even the players that were on the floor, even though they're so good, like there's still so many missing pieces from like the USA team that we've seen in these four games, right? You have so many injuries that are still not healed that will hopefully be healed in time for Tokyo. Uh, so I'm definitely not concerned 
But I do think that it's like a good question of like what's going on with their primitive defense. Part of it's probably just that, you know, these players are coming off WNBA seasons, haven't practiced together hardly at all um, so far. So that it'll definitely start to fall into place, especially with this kind of extended training schedule that they've got coming up. Um, but I do think there is like a good question of like who's that like person to step up on the perimeter defense, maybe some more youth than kind of like the USA backcourt. We haven't really seen. There's definitely some players that names have been thrown around, especially on Twitter today. Actually, Michelle Vopel had a great kind of article about um, the different like things that we learned from these four games and maybe some of the positions that they could use some more youth in. Um, so I think there's definitely questions there. Nothing that's like, oh, they're not going to win gold in Tokyo. But yeah, definitely some thoughts heading into the training cycle for these Olympics. Yeah, I, I think there's nothing wrong positing that idea by itself. But overall, I I mean, I like think it like it's just I couldn't be less interested in that kind of like raising that as a concern I think it's I mean genuinely I think it's nothing and and one like the big part of that is again to like emphasize like how good some of these guards were that they were playing there there's not going to be someone like close to like as dynamic as Sabrina that they're going to go against in the entire Olympics like they're not going to see a guard like that like or like Kennedy uh even like in like Kiana Williams so you know, you could say in a way like that got exposed, but like there aren't going to be those, there won't be the same dearth of those kind of players. And then you combine that with the fact that like, you know, it, they weren't real games, you know, and, and and to not also, you know, not to try to pour too much water in Oregon. Of course, it was an awesome moment, but, you know, they didn't start playing until, they didn't really start playing until they got down 10 and they came out of that timeout. Sylvia Fowles missed two layups. And then that was kind of, they were done. They weren't, it was too late for them to come back. And obviously still, you know, just fouled out to going by the college rules and in the Olympics too, it's like, you can have this leaky defense, but then, you know, even if still has an awful game and gets in foul trouble, her backup or the person splitting minutes with her is BG. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's just like so much depth to the USA potential roster. It's definitely not a concern. And yeah, not, I do think the one thing about the Oregon game that like everyone was so surprised that Oregon beat them, which it was surprising and like a big deal. But when you look at Oregon's roster, it's like, okay, yeah, they probably got three potential first round picks on their roster. So yes, it's a college team, but you have three soon to be WNBA like role players on that team. So I think um especially with you know kind of it wasn't a real game and just the roster for USA like it's not it's surprising and impressive that they pulled off the win but not like totally crazy in my opinion at least yeah I think you're right and I'll take and uh, I guess maybe I'm taking this a step further and saying it, it just seeing some of the reaction it, it, and it's you know it's just twitter but it's like some some people just sounded like they didn't had no idea how good Oregon actually was in the first place and kind of I'd mirror the same thought for just people not understanding how good Kennedy Carter is yeah exactly I think that's kind of been the sentiment that I've seen on twitter as well and like you said it's just twitter but yeah these are players that are going to be first round draft picks this year that are going to go into some WNBA franchise and make an immediate impact, most likely uh, probably rookie of the year candidates. Um, and we saw what like Nafisa Collier and Arike Gumbawale did as rookies this year. They were playing among the best of the best and with stats among the best of the best. So it's like 
it's surprising, but it's not like out of this world surprising. Like people are making it out to be. Yeah, and maybe and maybe one of the real lessons out of this tour too is like for another country to try to poach one of these guards, <laughs> yeah. you know, and naturalize them. I mean, between you know Kennedy Cart, because I mean we're just it's going to happen year after year, right? Like USA Basketball can't give all of them a roster spot, obviously, and I think, and I think that kind of guard that can do so much off the dribble is maybe one of the biggest kind of gaps you see between kind of the best of the best with USA basketball and with some of these other national teams. But, you know, if another team could add like a Keanu Williams, like that would just like up their ceiling so high. And obviously even somebody like Enrique, you know, is she going to make the 12? And I don't know if we're going to get into that, but you know, a player like that too, that just, you know, seeing that this gave them such big fits like this, you know, it, I, of course, these teams should always want to add one of those types of players, but maybe that, maybe that even uh, accelerates that process for someone really trying to pursue one of those guards. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, there's just so much talent in the U.S. I think you know, if the U.S. could like field three Olympic teams, they would probably take gold, silver, and bronze, no problem with them. Like depth of talent, or maybe. I mean, you see a little bit of a challenge usually from like Canada, Australia, but just the team is always so dominant and there's so many options that you could put on that roster and the team would be equally as dominant. So it's definitely a good point. Yeah. And we didn't, I, maybe I should bring it back to Oregon state a little bit too, just, we haven't, we haven't hit on them a ton. You know, I think they, they definitely struggled the most. And I, I think a lot of that's pretty understandable and just, it's important to kind of just highlight where they're at. You know, I think Oregon state and Stanford, are the teams that are probably going to improve the most over the course of the season with Oregon, obviously already being at such a high level and, and Kennedy's ability to just play one-on-one and, and light people up. Obviously that is already there for Texas A&M, but Oregon state just, they were just kind of discombobulated. They, they weren't really, they struggled to get open. And I think if you compare that game with Stanford, it's interesting because all of Stanford's screening and movement, is so tough to keep up with and they really have that pace to what they're doing. And, and that, that's something Oregon state will kind of need. And just, I think that's, that was a good experience for them to understand like, Hey, look at all these times where we couldn't get open or we just got bogged down and how it really just shot us in the foot. And that can really, I think that can be those kind of moments when you can look at it on film and it's going to resonate because you're doing it against the best players. That can be something that might really resonate with them and maybe accelerate that process for them. Definitely. I think another thing that stood out from Oregon State is they have a lot of like freshman uh, post players. So to kind of get that experience right off the bat for them to play against someone like Sylvia Fowles and like, you're not going to face any competition of that level really in the post probably all season long is definitely they like held their own better than I would have expected a freshman to hold their own in the post in that kind of a situation. So I thought that was impressive from Oregon State, especially with the idea that those players are freshmen and they're only going to get better from here. Yeah, so Sills obviously the uh, like one of the gold standards just from a from a strength and and physicality standpoint, and T- Taylor Jones and Kennedy Brown are the two the two big ones for them. And Brown is interesting because she can stretch out a little bit. They also have uh, Taya Corsdale as their as their stretch four too. She didn't play in that game; she's injured right now. And Taylor Jones will be interesting too. Maybe she'll give them kind of a kind of a physical inside presence, and you know, getting having a couple of times where you kind of mix it up with somebody like Syl, maybe that can light a kind of the same idea, kind of light a spark and, and help her kind of get to that point faster where she's doing that to other people. Exactly. 
So yeah, definitely a lot of great kind of insight into what some of those Pac-12 and then Texas A&M are going to look like this season from those USA basketball games. But going into some of the real games, or I guess, I mean, the other ones are real games too, but the games that count that we saw this weekend, I think, and Monday, one of the big ones was Maryland, South Carolina on Sunday evening. Uh, It was a top 10 matchup. And South Carolina ended up taking home the win on the road in that one. Any initial thoughts from kind of watching that one about either of those teams? I think it has to start with Aaliyah Boston, just as as a monster shot-blocking presence in the middle for South Carolina. Just really, you can already tell that that's going to be a, she's going to be a commanding presence for them in, in every game that they play. And now it's probably in, in the interesting part too is now there's probably going to be a the target on her back will get a little bigger too because teams are going to be so incentivized to try to get her in foul trouble so they can just have have any chance of of doing stuff around the basket and that just a true freshman seeing that I think that was just I mean that obviously popped off the screen this you know this game wasn't isn't going to be looked up back on for uh, all the all the incredible things they're doing offensively <laughs> this early in the season. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Aaliyah Boston has just been like incredible for South Carolina so far. It was her first game. I forget who they played, but she had a triple double with you know, points, rebounds, and blocks, which is insane. And then um, going into the second game against Maryland, which is a you know a top opponent, still pulled off five blocks. It's just, she's been excellent for them so far. Um, I think South Carolina. There's a lot of question marks going into the season because when you have that many freshmen, it's just like you don't really know what you're going to get from players, but she's definitely been a bright spot for them so far. I think they've kind of probably outperformed a little bit what people thought they would in the you know first week of the season with such a young roster. And I think if you're looking for someone to point to for why that's happened, it's got to be Aaliyah Boston. Yeah, and it was it was interesting that because Maryland came out and, and then on the other end, you know, they were switching everything and kind of inviting – inviting Boston to really try to drag somebody down to the post and really take advantage of that. And she did a couple times. And so the seeing her over a longer sample on the other side of the floor and what she's really able to do for them there is going to be really interesting. And, but as we, as we saw in this game, you know, South Carolina is going to lean towards a slower pace. And when you have someone like that, who can control the middle of the floor, it, you're going to, you're going to be able to play the way you want to. And, and, and Maryland, on the other end of it, is a team that they have so much guard talent where it's going to really hurt them if they're not able to to get out in transition and and if they get stuck into a into a game, they're you know they're not going to really they don't have a player who's really just going to really going to dictate you know the the whole direction of the game, just totally dominating in the middle in the paint. Exactly, I agree with that so much. They do have some good friend twerk coming off the bench and like Shakira Austin, who was really good for them off the bench last year. She didn't have a great game against South Carolina, but kind of a player to watch from them for like they really need someone to develop in that um, you know inside lane. And she's definitely someone that could do that. She's just a sophomore, so still a super young player. I was surprised that I would have picked like Maryland in this game just because they return so much and it's, you know, week one. So when you return basically all of your minutes, you kind of should be the favorite heading in. Um, So I think more than anything just really speaks to like how good South Carolina looked kind of in that first week. But I do think it was um, a pretty big statement from them as far as and they, they moved up in the AP rankings because of it this week, which makes sense. 
Right. And and for a for a little sidebar on Austin, you know, the the story that came out last year where Brenda Fries gave that quote, this quote of, hey, we want to make sure, you know, something to the effect of we want to make sure she's the number one pick by the time she leaves her. And the second I saw that, it was just like, what what is this? Why are they doing that? Why? It, it just I, I would always imagine if you're in that position with just this awesome recruit, you know, this isn't, this isn't one and done. You, why would you say that stuff if you don't have to? And then because of the, the big quote coming out of that post game was freeze saying, you know, when she's asked about her, she said, she's not ready. Well then like maybe don't float quotes out there about her being like this future number one pick. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like, I think she has so much potential, but it's one, a lot of pressure to just put on a young player because I mean, it's, women's college basketball there's not like a one and done culture it's not she's probably not she's not eligible to even go right now if she wanted to um and yeah but also people are going to ask about her constantly and when she doesn't have a big game it's going to kind of put a spotlight on her back when you have quotes like that floating out there and and not to try to not trying to pile on her and act like she's not a not not a talented player right now that can help them but you know for to if you're going to mention her in that vein it's it's not like super obvious what she's really good at yet right she's mm-hmm. tall you know she can get a lot of rebounds she's gonna be around the basket but it's not you know it's not obvious that she's you know some huge low post scorer she's not she's not having you know she's not piling up, ga- up games like that boston game where she's just blocking these shots so forcefully that it really you know really jumps off the screen and, and really kind of seizes control of the game so it's just and and with your, I mean, you knowing UConn so well, I think it's interesting too. Like if I can make a rule, like, like the second a player steps on a campus, no one should ever talk about like what they were ranked as. Cause it just doesn't matter anymore. It, it Like once the game starts, it's just all that matters is just what you are between the lines. And like, isn't Megan Walker such a good example of that too? Cause like last year, all I, all I remember hearing is people would just say, Hey, she was the number one recruit okay, but it's her sophomore year. Like, let's just talk about, like, the basketball player that she is right now. Yeah, I think she's the perfect example of, like, someone that gets tagged with that a lot. I mean, in her freshman year, yes, it was like, okay, she's the number one recruit, but she didn't do a ton for UConn, so people were shocked. But by, like, the time sophomore year runs around, it's like, all right, let's just talk about what she did last year and what she's doing this year in comparison instead of, you know, she was the number one recruit. Well, yeah, that was two years ago. Um no, I totally agree with that sentiment. I mean, it's even coming out with people talking about Walker this year, and obviously she needs to have a much bigger role for UConn this year, but the fact that she was the number one recruit doesn't really have anything to do with it. It has to do with the level that she stepped up for them last year and what she needs to do this year for UConn, not what she did in high school. Yeah, and to and to bring it back to, to Maryland here, you know, seeing Kyla Charles go 5 for 18 is a, a little disappointing. I think you would have liked to see them one just on a team level for them to be ready to kind of do a little bit more to just get her a catch where she can just rip and go. And I think, you know, she her and Ashley Wusu, their freshman point guard who looked awesome in this game. But between those two players, I think you would have liked to see them challenge Boston a little bit more at the rim. Cause you know, there's the difference between, okay, she's standing right under the basket and just dribbling into her, you know, and that's more of a hopeless situation versus if she's kind of hanging out like 12, you know, 12, 14 feet out, don't just pull for that jumper and she's going to be able to contest it anyways. That's what she wants you to do. Give her a hesitation, do something and try to get her 
moving with you and try to and try to get something at the rim and that was that was kind of something that stood out as they were I don't know if they maybe they just kind of shut down and and they just kind of totally resigned were just had just kind of said like we don't think we can score on her yeah I definitely agree with that you definitely would have liked to see a little bit more from both of them and try to challenge uh, Boston more I mean she'd it's great, but she's still a freshman. It's kind of, I feel like with freshmen, oftentimes it's a little bit easier to get them, you know, out of their like focused mindset and to trip them up a little bit. So you would like to see them try to challenge her some more and see if that could have gotten their offense going. Yeah. So, I mean, from, and for Maryland, it's as with South Carolina with all these young players, it's so early The you know, mentioned this with some of those PAC 12 teams that they're going to be so, so much different even a month from now, two months from now, and obviously by March than what they are now. And Maryland's also got Diamond Miller, really exciting, long wing kind of player. That'll be another one of those players that'll just really feast and transition for them. And and Zoe Young was another heralded. I won't say, you know, what her ranking was and all mm-hmm. that, but another heralded uh, freshman who didn't play in that one, along with Shanice Lewis, that were their returning guard and it actually came out today that she's getting surgery and she'll be out for a little bit. And I think the the one of the other concerning things might have been just Taylor Maxell's game. For you know, for one, she they just didn't play her in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if that was just because like she missed her first couple shots. She wasn't exactly throwing the ball over the gym and they just needed they needed somebody to score so badly. It was just kind of strange to see her iced for that whole fourth quarter. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, she wasn't having a great shooting night, but generally you'll you know, count on the players, you know, can shoot the ball to do it. So surprising that we kind of just pulled her out. But, um, you know, I never know why I could just make those decisions they do. So I'm sure there was a good reason for it. But, yeah, definitely a surprising kind of outcome there. Yeah. Well, well it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's a really tough numbers game, even with, for Maryland, even with, uh, Young and with Young and Lewis both being out of the game, they went. You know, Maryland decided to go big uh, later in the game, and if you put two bigs on the floor, that's just it's naturally going to make it really hard for them to play all of those guards, and that's with a couple of them sitting out. So it's it, it's for one, I guess it's it's almost surprising that it hasn't already come out that Maryland wanted to maybe redshirt one of those players and but all, all season long as they get lewis back and if young ends up playing a lot too it, it's and they have blair watson who was a starter for them one of those starters for them last year coming off the bench like they just have they have so many mouths to feed there that it's going to be it's going to be a fun uh you know there'll probably be more of these kind of moments either you know win or lose where you might kind of scratch your head but it's it's definitely understandable given given that balancing act yeah definitely just a team with so much talent on their roster so makes a lot of sense all right is that uh is that all we have on on this game here yeah i think so so we should move on to the the big monday game from last night i guess you could call it a big upset I'll add my take on why I don't really think it was that big of an upset later, but um, so yeah, Tennessee taking down Notre Dame, who was ranked I think fifteenth, uh, heading into the game, um, in South Bend, Indiana. Kind of like a fun stat they kept throwing around on the broadcast yesterday it was the first time Notre Dame's lost at home 
to someone other than UConn in like five seasons. So pretty crazy. Not that surprising in my opinion, considering just how much Notre Dame has lost. Uh, but what were your initial kind of takes on that game? Uh, the the first thing that, that just jumped out, Raniah Davis yeah. played great. Give her credit, 12 of 20 goes for 33 points. But if you're Notre Dame, you're going to look at some of those shots. One in the third quarter, she hits three threes, two in the first minute, and then another one I think less than three minutes in. Where they just, I mean, it just they totally blew it, and that just right out of the right out of the gate in the second half, Tennessee's adding to that lead. Where for, to get those three shots to just catch and shoot, you know, she throws it in sideline out of bounds and just stepped, you know, took one step and was wide open. No one was ready for her to step in bounds. Another one, they got a rebound and turned it over. Next, you know, they pass it right to Davis, shoots a three right away, and then again. Tennessee's walk kind of walking the ball up the court and then they just didn't know where they were they were in their zone and then they just swing it quickly to Davis for an open three so the like to see I, I you know not disagreeing with you at all at just kind of where Notre Dame is at but just you I would look at those three plays and just be kicking myself like man we let her we let her get you know a third of her points basically off of that like that was the way we gave them to her yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. There was like some moments where it looked like Notre Dame could come back and then it's kind of just like sequences like that where they just it, like got away from them really quickly um, on the def- defensive end. So I definitely agree that when they're watching film today or tomorrow or whatever, they're probably kicking themselves on a lot of those plays. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think Notre Dame is just, I think their preseason ranking, in my opinion, when it came out was probably too high. It's, they just lost so much. And I think a lot of that ranking is probably based on, you know, just faith and Muffet and history. But basically, they, I mean, they return the player that played the most minutes for them was Abby Prohaska, who's now out with, like, I forget the word for it, but the blood clots in her lungs, which is horrible. And then with Michaela Vaughn going down last week, too, for a few weeks, it's just like they don't have anything that was on the court last season. And a lot of freshmen, which are, I mean, Sam Brunel is awesome, but. It takes time to adjust and figure things out. Which, I mean, Muffet started, I think, three freshmen and two transfers yesterday. So no one that was on the court for them last season. So just so many question marks. And I think this score of this one wasn't surprising to me at all. I kind of thought that Tennessee had a pretty good shot at taking it home. And, I mean, that's what happened. I just wanted to kind of go to what you're saying at the beginning is just what do you make of, I guess, kind of just – general criticisms of a decision like that with the rankings because my my reaction to pretty much any of it that gets thrown around is like I, I mean I think I think Debbie Antonelli has said this uh, it may have been when she was on on this podcast and she talked about how she spends you know four or five hours putting together her poll each week and my reaction to so like my reaction to most of that stuff is I don't spend that time doing this every week so nine, 95% of the time, I'm probably going to want to just like, I'm going to stay out of it because I don't put that level of time into it. And maybe people don't, but I just I just think it's interesting seeing seeing something like that criticized, especially at the very beginning of the season. That's definitely fair. I mean, yeah, I haven't spent three to four hours looking at the top 25. I just think like even from a, like a glance, I guess, 
just like knowing how little they return, it was kind of like there's just nothing on that roster right now that's proven. Um, which to me, I mean, I've also said it about UConn. I thought UConn was rated like too high to start the season, but I guess, yeah, like I said, I haven't spent as much time as people who are voting. So <laughs> no criticism to the people that are voting. It's just a personal opinion about like where I think teams are in comparison at the moment. But yeah. 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 And, and it always can be done within reason, but it's just, it, it's, uh, I'm probably giving too much voice to, you know, the angrier type of, you know, oh, what, you know what, this team sucks. Why are they there? Which, you know, that stuff is obviously always exaggerated, but I think like if maybe the idea too, with looking at Notre Dame was because they have these older transfers in Martis Nizek and Destiny Walker, maybe, you know, to, to give the benefit of the doubt if someone was really high on them early in the season was just that, okay, you have, you have players who have been, who have played for a while who really can kind of make sure that they're not going to fall into some mindset right away that, Oh, it's okay. You know, we're really young. You know, I think like having those players as like a big part of your group this year, I imagine that kind of helps, you know, kind of steady them and just kind of lift and consistently keep their, expectations high maybe on a day-to-day basis yeah definitely I would agree with that um and I think yeah having that kind of experience on the roster when you have so much turnover like Notre Dame did last year um is uh, definitely something that kind of grounds them in a better spot than they would be had they not brought in that kind of transfer talent um and yeah, in my mind, I have no doubt that by, you know, March, this Muffet will have this team in definite top 25 shape. I just don't know that it's there right now. Yeah, and it's it was it's so interesting that, you know, maybe there were some people sniping at Notre Dame in that way because Tennessee, obviously last year, I'm sure there were a lot of people wondering like, okay, why are they still getting votes and why are they still kind of viewed in this light? You know, mm-hmm. and last year's team obviously wasn't, you know, they weren't. They weren't going to be knocking on the door of a national title. Yeah, to be sh- for sure. No, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think th- so. They weren't ranked in the preseason this year, and that was the first time. And I forget how many years it was. It was a lot of years that they were not haven't been ranked in the preseason. But I think it makes sense. Um, just the way last year's team was, like, it should have barely been in the top twenty-five. So it makes sense that they weren't there in the preseason. I don't think they might be there coming this week, I'm sure, with the win, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how that all shakes out. But Yeah, did you have did you have anything you wanted to get into with this game? Because I mentioned before we started, I I didn't quite get all the way through this one. I caught most of it and I've gotta go back and catch that fourth quarter still. Yeah, I think one thing that stood out to me so much was just like Tennessee's ability to kind of like do so much with their size they kept saying on the broadcast last night which I didn't realize until I was watching it but that they only have one player on their roster that's under six feet tall so just really a big team and you kind of saw that in like crazy proportions last night I mean on the offensive glass they were just if Notre Dame could have kept them off the offensive glass they would have been way better off in the game um it just I think it was like 16 was it or 15 offensive rebounds for Tennessee last night so yeah a ton of offensive rebounds which allowed them to kind of even when they weren't shooting well um really just kind of draw out that lead on Notre Dame and then the other thing was their shot blocking was kind of 
incredible last night. I think by the end of the game, they had blocked like 35% of Notre Dame's two-point attempts, which is just a crazy stat. Um, so I think just the way they were able to take their sides and kind of just not let Notre Dame get things done on the offensive end and then on the defensive end, take advantage on the offensive glass was really impressive to me. Yeah, that Tennessee Tennessee's big, and the the size disparity. The broadcast was mentioning Notre Dame just just generally just getting back in transition too. When you're kind of at that kind of a disadvantage, any you know any little lapse or one person lagging behind it just it hurts so much more because when when someone's kind of driving in on you to begin with and you're not very big, not having any kind of help you know, to, to kind of keep, to to kind of force Tennessee into tougher shots. It's just, it gets so much tougher and, and any any kind of trans, kind of thing in transition can just go down, we'll be able to go downhill so fast, so quickly for Notre Dame. Yeah, definitely. And I think Tennessee's size will help them a lot probably throughout the season. Looking like way ahead, I'm thinking to like the UConn game that they have in January, like UConn's a smaller team. If they can, you know, use their size, they're, I don't know that they will upset UConn, but they definitely have like a, it's a good way to contest UConn and kind of try to upset them is to be able to take advantage of UConn being small and the level of size that they just have on their team um, is definitely something that UConn will struggle with. So, and I'm sure a lot of other opponents too, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of exploit that against other opponents as well going down the road. Yeah, I agree. And that was that was all I had for this one. Did you? I mean, did you want to add anything on the UConn Cal game too? I know you saw you were at that one. Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like well, probably kind of the overall take on it was it was just like a very underwhelming game for UConn for an opener. I think Cal losing Inigwe is like not expected to be to the level that they were last year, kind of towards the bottom of the Pac-12, and UConn did kind of struggle. Um, offensively against them nothing that like made me super concerned to be honest it was just like seemed like the flow of the offense wasn't there but I honestly found it kind of comforting that Kristen Williams and Megan Walker could really kind of force their own and create their own shots um and get the uh, Huskies ahead even when they were struggling offensively so I think more positive signs than would expect from kind of that final score of only winning by 11 points when you Typically expect UConn's going to come out and do something like what Baylor did in their opener where they like went, I mean, not to that level because they went on like a 47-0 run or something in the Baylor game, but you expect them to put up kind of a big, you know, 30-plus point win. And that didn't happen, but you know, after the game, Gino just kept saying it was a weird game. And it, it definitely was a weird game for like a UConn opener, but I think some positive signs from the younger talent at UConn there. Um Definitely, obviously, a lot to work on, but they kind of have a while before they've got, like, a really tough test against kind of a Baylor or an Oregon. Like, none of those games come until after the new year, so I think they've got plenty of time to work out what's going on there in the offense. Yeah, and and such is life for UConn <laughs> once again. It, it's everyone, just the reaction, The I thought the reaction of the whole 2C last year was just incredible. It's like, who'd you guys play? You lost some of your big non-conference games. Like, what did people really expect? And yeah. maybe we'll run that back this year just, just for fun. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will see. I mean, plenty of time to see that. I will not be surprised at all if they're a two-seed this year. 
um, if they win or if they lose some of those big non-conference games, there's really no reason that they should be a one seed considering you've got, you know, three teams in the Pac-12 that are expected to be great this year. And then they're playing a Pac-12 schedule, which is an insane strength of schedule. Um, so, yeah, I won't be surprised at all if they are a two seed this year as well. Maybe we won't get quite the insane reaction to it this year, probably, because um, I think it's a little bit more expected. I don't with the loss of Nafisa Collier and uh, Samuelson, but we shall see, I guess, how it all falls out. Yep, and I think that's a that's a good place to uh, to wrap it up. I won't add anything further on on the Cal game. I've got some of that I wanna I need to finish up as well right after we finish this. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks all for listening. We hope you like what you hear on the podcast. And if you do, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to to us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. We also welcome any of your feedback, suggestions, things you want to hear us talk about in the future. You can reach out to us at podcast at herhoopstats.com or on Twitter at herhoopstats. And as always, if you like what you hear on the podcast, what you see in our stories and on our social media, definitely encourage you to go check out the site, herhoopstats.com. Lots of NCAA stats starting to filter in from the season already. So definitely a great resource to have on hand for the NCAA season. Check that out over at herhoopstats.com. It's just $20 a year to subscribe for all that great content. So definitely hope you check that out as well. Thanks for listening to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.